BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year and welcome back to another episode of Friend of a Friend. I hope you guys had a wonderful time off, whether you were home, hanging with your family, traveling, whatever it is. I hope that you found time to rest and are feeling really excited about the new year ahead. I know today is challenging. It feels like the first day back to school. I always say that any time that we have to get back to work 48 hours after the new year is always really challenging. It feels like ripping a Band-Aid off. So I hope that today's episode makes you feel a little bit better as we go into the week ahead. I personally love the new year. It feels like a clean slate for me. I feel like all the mistakes, all the pie that I ate over the holidays just gets canceled and I get to start all over again. So I hope that you guys are feeling the same way and I'm feeling really excited to be back on the airwaves with you all again. For our first episode of 2022, I wanted to do something that I have been really looking forward to doing for quite some time now, but was just trying to muster the courage to do it. If you've listened to the show for a while, you know that earlier last year, I started working with a life coach. At the time, I was really suffering from extreme anxiety that I think had been building up over COVID as a result of a mid-pandemic move. And I'm sure so many of you can relate to that. A job move, a geographical move like mine, or just life moving in so many different ways in general quite suddenly. And for me, I was really looking and in desperate need of support to build a new foundation for myself and what almost felt like a new life. So I decided to call a dear friend of mine who I am so grateful is joining us on the show today, Allie Stark. She is a life coach, entrepreneur, and the founder of her own coaching company, Allie Stark Wellness. She has been such an instrumental tool in my mental and emotional health over the past year. And I am just truly overjoyed by the conversation that we had today for this episode. I shed some tears. I learned so much more about her philosophy. But above all, I find that talking with her or any coach has always just made me feel seen in a new way. And there's something that she says in this episode that I absolutely love, which is we should always remember that someone holding space for you is the greatest gift that you can ever receive. So I hope that you all feel that in some way too through this episode because it has been such an eye-opening and supportive process for me. And I hope that it inspires you to maybe seek out similar support if it's needed as well. Obviously, I asked her so much about that process, like what it's like working with a life coach and how you guys can find the right support as well. So if you are looking, there's a ton of information on that in this episode too. 
We also talk about some of her expertise and how it's changed my life, some of the revelations I've had this year mentally and emotionally. And of course, for the new year, I asked her some healthy habits that she recommends that we can implement as we enter a new chapter. I hope you guys love this episode. I'm grateful that you're here. I'm grateful that I found the courage to do this episode today. So thank you for tuning in to this one. If you haven't followed the show yet, find us wherever you listen to your podcasts and make sure you follow us, rate and leave a review. Thank you all for tuning in and have a wonderful first week of 2022 ahead. Here's my friend, Allie Stark. Hi, Allie. How are you? Hi, Liv. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me today. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. This is an episode that I feel like you and I have been talking about wanting to do for a while. And it feels like the perfect opportunity to do it now as we've entered a new year. And I know a lot of people are thinking about resolutions and ways to maybe live a bit healthier. And you've been such an instrumental tool for me in terms of that in my life. So I'm excited to share what you've been working on and how you've shed that light on me a little bit. Amazing. Thank you. Where are you calling in from? I am in Denver, Colorado, which is a place that I pretty recently relocated from Los Angeles. And I'm sure that transition is going to come up in this episode in some way, shape or form. I think it's a it's a mutual <laughs> conversation. <laughs> For anyone listening who underwent a move in the last few years, which I think is what's happening as a universal shakeup right now. Definitely. I keep thinking to myself about my move that I just never expected to move. And it's such a, it's such an interesting thing when you have a moment to reflect back on that and how quickly it happens and how quickly it shakes up your life. And it was a big reason why I initially reached out to you. So I totally feel the boat that you're in. Yeah. 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 I actually reached out to a mentor of mine recently because I moved from the Bay Area to LA six months prior to the pandemic. And then about five months ago, relocated to Denver for partnership. And the way we were talking about it that was so interesting was like, LA felt like a new beginning and Denver feels like starting over. And those are really different sensations and experiences. So I'm curious where you're at in your locational transition based on that. That hit. Definitely that hit. For me, LA feels like starting over only because I grew up in LA. It was familiar to me for 18 years. It was all I knew. And then I moved to New York for 10 years. And I I really believe that where you spend those early years of your life, early 20s, adulthood, kind of growing into your own, you really grow roots in that. So for me, when I had to move very suddenly and dramatically, without really even plan- like planning it, I really had no idea that I was going to be moving and that it would be permanent. I still am in that process of feeling like I've started over. Professionally, personally, I feel like I've had to kind of remake friends in a way, refigure out my social circle, figure out how work evolves here. So it's been, it's definitely, I did not think about it like that, but Yeah, my sister is actually thinking about moving right now and she's thinking about it as a new chapter, new beginning, very exciting. But for me, that was not the case. So yeah, yeah. But so I want to scroll back a little bit because I want people who are listening right now to understand kind of how our relationship came to be. Every time I tell somebody that I have a life coach, their their eye kind of perks up a little bit, their ear perks up a little bit, I should say, because I feel like it's not a new thing but I think it is becoming more mainstream than it ever has before, especially post-pandemic. 
I actually read a stat that coaching went up 33%, I believe, last year during the pandemic, which is an incredible thing, obviously, for you, but also an incredible stat to hear that people are, you know, finding new ways to better themselves. But just to clearly outline it, I'd love to hear from your perspective what you think the real difference is between approaching a therapist and approaching a life coach. Yeah. So there's some very specific differences. And then if it's helpful, I can also speak to like it becoming this really popularized profession as well. Go for it. So I like to say two specific things in separating therapy from coaching. So therapy is really about, obviously these are sweeping generalizations. So let me start by saying that because there's many different types of therapists and many different types of coaches. Therapy is really about meeting the client where they're at and then going back into their history, family dynamics, trauma, et cetera, in order to make sense of who they are today. There's this beautiful quote that I don't have in front of me that says, therapy is called upon to support the afflicted and coaching is to afflict the comfortable. So coaching is really about meeting the client where they're at You do have to get an understanding of past and history because it's who makes us who we are. But then we're helping you in a very collaborative, co-active way, move you in a direction forward. So I find that people reach out when they're feeling stuck. There's like a stuckness component that comes up when they're in a massive transition. So there's like, how do I find my feet on the ground as I move forward? And I think that a huge part of at least how I coach is really about that poking and prodding in spaces where people are comfortable because there is a there is a how do we step into our potential and align with our truth in the process of coaching and so although they're both organized around past present future if I were to overly simplify it I would say therapy really goes into the past and coaching really supports you in moving in the direction forward I can totally attest to that it felt like that while I haven't done as much therapy as maybe I'd like to in my past. I think I've done maybe one or two sessions. I know, guys, that's why I'm actually insane. Um, I would say that it definitely had to do, I definitely felt like so much of what I was learning and experiencing was building infrastructure to create a better future for myself. We'll be right back after a quick break. If you're a fan of delicious tasting, efficacious CBD, I have a code for you. Better Conditions is a family-owned CBD company whose only goal is to help you feel better. It was started by two sisters for their grandma, who was having a really hard time finding quality CBD products when she was battling breast cancer. There is such an amazing, incredible, heartfelt story behind this brand, and their CBD works. It's organic, third-party lab-tested, and made with all-natural, organic, vegan ingredients. You can take Better Condition products at any point throughout the day or even several times a day to get the relief that you need. Better Conditions has CBD gummies that taste like literal candy, but are made of all natural organic ingredients, and they really help take the edge off throughout the day. They also have CBD oil tinctures, which are their fastest working products and take effect within seconds. And for all of my fellow dog parents out there, They also have a pet CBD that has been so helpful in getting my rambunctious puppy Bodhi to calm down. 
If you aren't incorporating CBD into your everyday routine, it is time to start. It has made the world of a difference for me as somebody who lives with anxiety, and I'm so grateful to Better Conditions for creating efficacious, healthy, and organic products. CBD provides so many benefits from helping improve sleep to relieving anxiety, chronic pain, and so much more. So as a loyal listener of the podcast, Better Conditions is giving you 40% off site-wide with code FRIEND, and your purchase is risk-free. So give it a try because you're not going to regret it. www.thebetterconditions.com and enter code FRIEND at checkout for 40% off. Now let's get back to the show. I would love to hear a little bit about your experience with coaching because you have an incredible company called Ally Stark Wellness. And you, I, I like to think of you as like, you're like a, a, a massive well of like knowledge and you basically have an incredible community of coaches that you've, I'd like to say like picked over your time. And they're all such incredible people. I've learned a little bit about them through you. And essentially what you do is people come to you, you assess them, and then you match them with one of your incredible coaches. And I would love to hear about your experience with coaching and how that led you to start your own, basically your own company around it. Sure. So my background, I grew up with a mom who was very interested in alternative health forms. And I was also a very sensitive, I don't want to say like sickly child, but I definitely was like ongoing digestive issues all the time. And I was just sensitive. I have like, I'm a feeler. I feel all my emotions very bigly. I feel emotions of everyone else around me. So we could put me into the empath category. I think I always felt like, where do I belong? And my mom really early on, I was 13 and I'm 36 now. So whatever the math is, when that was, took me to a yoga class. I fell in love with it. I wound up practicing like a bit obsessively throughout high school. And yoga was like not quite popularized at that point. Wound up becoming a yoga teacher at 16 and then proceeded. That's sort of like kickstarted me into this space of mindfulness and spirituality and doing sort of this deep dive on myself. So that led me to post-college undergrad. I was living in San Francisco at the time and I was dealing with a lot of really chronic autoimmune conditions. And there was a master's degree in San Francisco at the California Institute of Integral Studies that was in integrative health. And honestly, I went to the program because I couldn't figure out how to heal myself in conventional medicine. It was like, sure, I'll spend 80K on this graduate degree program to figure out a way to heal myself. And it was like this radically beautiful period of time. It was also heavy. I was deeply experimenting with healing modalities. You name it, I've tried it. It was a pretty deep dive in that moment in time. So there was a health coaching certification that was built into that. The master's program was two years. I graduated and I initially partnered with naturopathic doctors to help their patients change. So the naturopath would create the protocol and I would help them with the behavioral change aspects of the protocol because that's actually where the difficulty lives. So, so much of coaching is in habit formation and behavior change. And over time, I just noticed that like telling someone to eat eight almonds instead of 12 almonds just felt like super boring. And that like underneath all of it was this much deeper stuff that was related to purpose and relationships 
and meaning and these bigger questions. And so I reoriented to supporting people to navigate those challenges. Now, because of my background and the way I've trained, I can kind of tap into like, you want to talk nutrition, we can go there. You want to talk about like spiritual dimensions of consciousness, we can go there. I really think that it stems from the fact that I'm just like pretty vulnerable and real in the work. I'm really like, what you see is what you get. I swear. And I'm like exposing and it's like, I'm your best friend with really good boundaries. And so I wanted to support other people. And my team is women to step up into coaching work so that we could also support a broader audience. So I want to get into a little bit how we have worked together because I wanted people to get to know you and your business. But I called you, I would say it was last April. You sent me an Instagram message and I was like, I need more contact. <laughs> Actually, you're 100% <laughs> right. This sounds I, emergent, but I need more contact. I sent you a DM on vacation. I sent her a DM about my raging anxiety on vacation. Bottom like I swear <laughs> that's what I did. I reached out to you. I was having a severe moment of paralyzing anxiety where I was literally in Tulum with my sister, her husband, my boyfriend, my two closest friends. And there wasn't an ounce of me that could truly enjoy it and actually be in that moment. And it went by in a flash for me. And I remember just thinking to myself, like, if that's not a moment where you can unwind and feel yourself, then something, the way that you feel about yourself isn't, isn't clicking. And so I reached out to Allie and I'm so glad that I did. We ended up texting a little bit and got on a phone call, which I know is usually how you work with people. But I would love to walk through that process just so people can understand what it's really like to work with a coach and kind of how your business works too. But after we had that phone call, I'd love to hear what your initial thoughts were, whether it's me or anyone that you're working with, what kind of goes through your brain after you have conversations like that? So I think the first thing that comes to my mind, and I'll use myself in a, in a bit of a vulnerable example, is I think it just takes so much courage to initially reach out. And I also think that we forget what resources are available to us. So I'm someone that's been in therapy like regularly over the last 25 years. I haven't been in therapy for the last little while or would I've had more of a business coach and you know, there's some stuff coming up in my life right now. And I had to be reminded, like, remember a therapist is there for you too. So I think my initial thought is like one, it takes courage to reach out. And as the person who is reaching out, as long as it's received by someone who it feels safe, I think it's like, a little bit of air gets let out of the balloon. There's a plan in place. Someone's like showing up to you and also normalizing. Crippling anxiety is a normal experience. I wish it weren't. Depression is a normal experience. Having ruminating thoughts is a normal experience. How can it not be in the society and culture that we live in? And especially over the last two years, right? So I think like number one is my general acknowledgement and recognition that it takes courage. In that initial intro call, which is a 30-minute intro call, my goal and intention of that time is to get to know the client's needs a little bit and what they're working towards. 
And generally speaking, I can do a very good job of distilling that down into a sentence or two. So again, I'll use myself as an example. I was just sharing a bunch of stuff with my mentor therapist person. And she was like, here's a lot of chatter (laughs) underneath it. You just sound unsupported. And it was like, oh, right. That's this like way deeper context of what's going on. Because symptoms show up in a myriad of ways, right? And anxiety is a symptom of something much deeper going on. And then so I sort of set you up with the coach. And, you know, I think I'm asking a lot of the client in that moment because I'm asking them already to trust me that I am setting them up with a person that's going to be the most supportive, the most aligned for them. And knowing that if that doesn't work, we come back to the drawing board. But generally speaking, that's the process. And then you have your first session with the coach and figure out how you guys want to be in relationship together and move forward. To answer, what did I think about you? I mean, Liv, I didn't, I just thought like, here's this person that I adore, who I've gotten to know in a couple of different contexts, who's incredibly self-possessed and confident and articulate and sophisticated and wise beyond her years. And she's reaching out for help. And like the human experience contains suffering. And here was just this like little moment where this person was vulnerably letting me in. And I think my feeling is I just don't take that lightly. Like you chose me to say like, I'm struggling right now. And for me, it's like, what an honor and privilege to get to have that experience. So I I think that's generally where I go. Thanks for sharing that. I don't think anyone's ever made me tear on my own show. So you can have that. I was like, I think he's crying, but I don't know if I... (laughs) You get that, uh, you get the seal. But yes, I can also very much attest to what you were saying earlier about the air coming out of the balloon a little bit. I think that initial jump of finding a person, whether it's through a friend of a friend or through a company that you've heard of that you can reach out to to help, getting over that hump and getting that response of, hey, I hear you, I see you, let's craft a plan to help work through this, really was, for me, I actually remember distinctly going to dinner that night and immediately feeling a little bit of relief that I had let that off my chest and that I was going to work through what it was that was giving me debilitating anxiety. And I knew what it was in that time, you know, I, I, as my life coach, who I work with now, likes to say is, you know, what I went through was a trauma. So immediately leaving a place that I've lived for 10 years, not having the closure, not really getting to say goodbye to things the way someone would traditionally move from a city to another city, moving home to a place that I hadn't lived since I was a teenager, and then kind of unleashing all that, maybe teenage trauma from that time. All of those things were kind of manifesting for me in ways that I felt were quite hidden until we had gotten to that point in April, May, when the world was opening up again. And I was kind of forced to understand firsthand that, okay, wait, this is actually where I live now. Like, I'm going to go and like live life here. This isn't just this like interim period. So for me, it was basically what you were saying just now was so spot on with the way I felt. You validating that and seeing that made the world of a difference for me. And if anyone's listening right now that has not been able to reach out to someone, that first step totally changed the game for me. 
completely. Yeah, I'm just thinking there's so many layers to it because I even know, you know, I'm really just trying to humanize it because like I work as a coach and like this is my whole world and I still have, you know, it's like still confessing in moments when it's like, so let me back up a little bit. I'm relating to the fact, you know, I moved to Denver. I moved here. It was for love, but there was some kicking and screaming. I don't feel like the chapter in LA is closed. That's a whole other podcast episode of complication. But it was like, I'm really good at picking myself up by my bootstraps. Like I've got the tools, I'm resilient, you know? And then I think that sometimes grief creeps back up in sneaky, unexpected ways. Because that's really what you're talking about. You're talking about a a grieving. You're talking about a shift in identity. You're talking about a letting go of what once was and stepping into something new. And typically there's a space between both of those. I actually, it's a term I got from a philosopher named Charles Eisenstein. It's the space between stories. The old story has like kind of just ended, but the new has not yet begun. And so you're suspended in like uncertainty and not knowing because you don't really know who you are in that next space. And that space is scary. And I think that when you're confessing that also, it's like, it can feel embarrassing or shameful or like, why can't I hack it? And it's just such a normal human experience that happens again and again and again and again. Like, I think each time I'm like, wow, stuff feels really breezy right now. It's like, like, here comes the page flip. It's not like, I'm not someone who goes to where's, when's the shoe going to drop, but I am someone who's like, my life is a living, breathing organism that's going to undulate between like moments of beauty and moments of me being in the underworld. And the only reason why I can feel beauty and delight and joy in the way I can is because I go into the underworld. We'll be right back after a quick break. Ladies, did you know that over 97% of women ages 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet and 95% are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s? Gaps in the diet should definitely not be ignored, which is why I am so happy that I've started taking Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin every morning. It was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women 18 plus. It is formulated with nutrients to help support brain health, bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support. But Ritual didn't just stop there. They invested in a gold standard university-led clinical trial to prove the impact of Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. The results? It was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. The clinical study was actually published in a leading scientific journal, Frontiers in Nutrition, as well. A published, and a published clinical trial study is a really big deal and a serious commitment to a first-of-its-kind standard in the industry. Ritual is committed to third-party testing from USP and the non-GMO project, traceable and vegan-friendly ingredients, and always clear communication. No shady stuff. I absolutely love knowing that I'm covered and getting all the right healthy things that I need for my body. Right now, Ritual is offering you 10% off your first three months if you visit ritual.com backslash friend. Let's turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com backslash friend. Now let's get back to the show. So you set me up with a coach who you also 
love and adore and also talked about having been through a very dramatic life change herself. And for me, she felt like a perfect fit. But something that I hear often from people is not being able to find that right fit or maybe not really knowing how to give it the chance. I'm a lucky, I'm lucky and I, you set me up with an amazing person. But as someone who does this often, I'd love to hear what you think it really means to, you know, connect with that person and give a coach or a therapist a chance. I have a two-pronged response to that. One is you got to, it's like dating. Yeah. So try a few on. I also am going to really encourage coaching right now is like the wild, wild west. It's a unlicensed profession. It does have a board certification, but I think going back to what we talked about in the beginning of like it growing and expanding, there is a nervous component in that for me, because I think that there is a lot of coach training programs where you can go for a long weekend. And I think that part of your dating coaches is really interviewing for levels of experience and training and background. And that's very different from a therapist because all of us go through a master's or PhD program because of that context, there's a lot more to trust, but I definitely think not only do you want to date around a little bit, ask, but like ask a lot of questions. How do you work with clients? What's your background and experience gets like, get specific. You know, my partner has, was interviewing for coaches and I was like, it can be helpful if there's someone who's like an advocate for you and creating a list of some questions to ask. The other thing is I always just feel like a little heartbroken for someone whose first experience with a coach or therapist is poor, because what I think that does is it's kind of, it can shut down that person's belief in this being something that's going to be opportune for them. And what my knowing is, is it's like, having a terrible one night stand and then saying, I'm never going to explore my sexuality ever again. Right. Like, whoo, what a letdown, right? It's like, you're, you're letting someone into your like inner emotional world. And I think I like, I just would never take that lightly because it's such a, it's such a big ask of someone. So I think uh, the other thing I just want to say is honoring anyone who's had a crappy first experience with a coach or therapist I think it can be debilitating. So kind of like twofold. One is finding one takes a little time, date around, ask a lot of questions, especially if you're going into the coach realm. And I think like at this point, I don't find mental health or let's call it mental emotional health because that's really what it is, is becoming less stigmatized. That being said, it still is stigmatized. And I think it's very easy to be like, whoa, why would I spend the money on, you know, that, you know, it's like, how do we open up the vision of like why it's important, how it helps you proactively and preventatively in your life, how it leads you to feelings of deeper meaning. And just remembering that like someone holding space for you is the greatest goddamn gift you can ever receive. Of all time. I mean, like of all time. I, it feels like I always say this. I'm like, you pay to go to the gym. This is your mental gym. And it really does feel that way after a session. I want to share a practice that I think I did in maybe my first or second session. 
And it was a core values practice. And it's something I reflect back on often. I've talked to my producer about it plenty of times and I've shared it with so many friends, but I wanted to share it here because I feel like it's something people could do at home. Essentially, I was given a sheet from you and your company that gives, I think there's about 50 different values on there. I think I was told to pick 10. And then from those 10, they were categorized into I am ABC being three of them. When I have DEF, another three, I can be GHIJ. Hope that makes sense in terms of numbering, right? But essentially, after picking those core values and then putting that into a sentence and analyzing how I need those things in my life and how they work for me, for me to become these, the, the, the core values that I'd like, the practice was then putting those sentences together to put, a, to put together a mission statement for myself. And I now have that statement in my sticky notes. I have it on my desk. I have it with me all the time. And I just thought it was such an incredible practice of actually honing in on the things that are really important to you. How did that practice come together and why, it's something that you, why is it something that you share with your clients? So we live in a very loud world and we live in a place that tells us what we should value or a family system that taught us what we should value, a religion, a socioeconomic background, a race, a culture, etc. So what most humans don't have is an actual understanding of what matters and what is of value to themselves. So the exercise is all about quieting that clamor of whatever it is that you come from and really discerning and distilling, like, what do I actually care about? What feels like it's a value of mine? And sometimes we have a value and we're not living that value, right? So it's like, no matter what the exercise is illuminating, we give you, you choose your top 10, you write your own personal definition for it. Cause like, live what you, how you define beauty and how I define beauty is going to be very different. How do you know and that then how, one of my words? And of course, that's the trickiest word because I remember having beauty in mind and being like, oh my God, am I really superficial? Like, <laughs> I remember freaking out. So beauty is a definite core value of mine. I had a similar experience when I was reckoning with it because it can feel very superficial. However, beauty is how I derive inspiration and creativity, right? It's like, I like architecture and interior design and fashion and seeing people of diverse backgrounds. I think beauty is even in like different ways people think, right? And here's the cool thing when you do stuff that's really hard in your life. So my move to Colorado is it a like more deeply exaggerates or shows you what your values are really are because you may be doing something that doesn't have that value. So a struggle I have with the city of Denver is I find it not beautiful. Now this is it's not literally... beautiful. It's not beautiful <laughs> to me. It doesn't mean that it's not beautiful. It's not beautiful to me. And is that your experience in LA? This is my exact experience. <laughs> so then you're like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Why don't I like this place? And it's like, oh because it doesn't align with my value system. Right. And then I could, of course, either become like a victim to that. Like, you know, am I allowed to fully swear on the podcast? Yes, of course. Okay. So like, fuck this city. I want nothing to do with it. Or I'm actually able to say like, okay, number one, clear. 
beauty is a top value. I now feel real certain about that because I've never previously lived in a place that I didn't find beautiful. This is the first time for me. Right. And then number two is like, what else is there for me? Because beauty is not, because that inherently means that I'm going to grow in a totally different way than if like I'm around all the things that generally light me up. I have to work harder right right now. Are you working harder to replace that value or reframe it? I'm not trying to reframe it, nor am I trying to replace it. I think that I put it on a shelf and I said, beauty's going to come in and out of my life. And right now there's something deeper and more profound that I'm learning about myself, even if it includes struggle and some suffering. It was very, very confronting. And I found myself, I saw my ego big time come up. Like, totally, which I'm having a feeling you can, like, I, there was just judgment, (laughs) like judgment coming up. And I mean, I still think I'm working through this, but like your, my ego was like on display, like, oh, you think you're X, Y, Z. And now you're in this different place and you're being challenged by that. Who are you? I had a really fun time unraveling how closely I tied my identity to being a New York city girl. And now it is the butt of every joke for me now. And I've had to totally unravel that. And I I really didn't realize during the time, I thought it was just who I was. And now being here, the ego confrontation has been so large and not in a, not in like a malicious way, just kind of confronting my identity and who I am and trying to understand who I am without any anything else I can attach it to. So who am I if I'm just standing in a room in the middle of nowhere? And well, who would I be if I was forced to live across the world and, and you know, any everything I know and love wouldn't be there anymore? So that to me was a, a big and welcome challenge when I finally realized that I was weighing myself down with that. And I'm sure there are so many people that weigh themselves down with that in so many different ways. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a, a title they like to give themselves. Whatever it is, I think we, we are really quick to attach ourselves to these affiliations. And sometimes I find that that makes us not get to know ourselves deeper. Like when I look back on my time in New York, as much as I love it, I think I am a hundred times more self-aware than I've ever been in my whole life because I think then it was easy for me to like tie who I was to that place and, you know, being fun and bubbly and New York never sleeps and neither did I. But here, <laughs> <laughs> here, it's kind of a different, a different thing that I have to confront. But yes, the, that was my own tangent of confronting my own ego too. I think that when we make decisions and changes, there's this unspoken, invisible agreement we have with ourselves that there's a permanency for some reason And I think something that I try to just continue to remind myself is like, I really don't like the expression of that life is short because I think if you're living an aligned life, life is so long. It's filled with so many chapters. And I think it's, to me, it's just been this profound reminder of like, this is a chapter that I'm in. Does it mean I'll never go back to California? Who knows? It's all unfolding, undetermined, uncertain. I have no idea. But as long as I just like keep my heart open to the path, it will reveal itself with time. And it makes like 
I'm not beholden to the choice that I created now. I can right. continue to re-choose new things. I can always go back to a conversation that was hard with someone and revisit it. It's like, I just had a girlfriend visiting and she was talking about parenting and she was like, you know, a parenting tool that I use when my three-year-old is having a tantrum and I'm trying to have a conversation with them is like, when it's not going well is, can we start over? Like, can we just start over? Does the three-year-old I, understand that? Totally. Like, and, and her three-year-old is now like, mommy, can we have a do-over? And I think it's Aww. just like, we always get to start over. That's true. We always get to choose again. So, you know, if, if you are listening and you find yourself in a moment when you're like, where am I? Who am I? And you made a bunch of, you moved this year or you exited a relationship or you quit a job or started a new job. A, sit in the discomfort. That's the C that we're all here to sit in. And B, just know that like it's an impermanent chapter that's going to have a page turn at some point in time. So you're working on an incredible company called Innerwell right now, which is basically an extension of what you're doing now. But something I hear you say often that I love is that with coaching, your end goal usually is to get somebody to quit their job. And I remember the first time I heard you say that, I was like, wait, what? I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait, like, is that really, is that the, the route? And then when I sat with it after a while, I thought about how often you deal with burnout and how many clients you've coached through dealing with burnout. And all those things come together in Interwell. Generally, what my business partner and I are trying to address is that burnout is a systemic issue and it's not an individualized issue. And how can we support populations? I'll keep it very loose. So what we're trying to do with our new company is to address burnout from a systemic issue in secretive ways that will be revealed in the coming year. And really using both my business partner, who I went to grad school with over a decade ago, and my expertise in health and wellness coaching to be of support in that space. But I would say my mission statement is like, how do you quiet the noise of the outside world and align with what's true for you? And if you can do that, and I think this new piece I'm trying to tackle is like, if the system supports you in doing that, right? Because sometimes when I get burnt out is it's like, wow, it's hard to be aligned with my truth all of the time in a world that doesn't want me to be. That's what I was going to say is that like the two really go hand in hand because I think about how much, how much noise and how much pressure and how much maybe ambition we have that takes us away from that instinct that we have. And so I love the idea of Interwell and being able to do that on a larger level and help people acknowledge like, hey, you're in a moment or you've been burnt out for a long time and it's taken you away from being able to take care of yourself. So I think that that's, that's an incredible thing. You know, I think what's this like fun, I experience, but we, everyone experiences burnout. Like if you're, we were just actually meeting with a, a branding agency and I was just adoring the leader of this agency because she was like, you know, you wake up one day and you're super motivated. And then a week later, you're like, wow, I just want to fire everyone and do nothing. Right. And it's like this natural undulation yep. of like the flow and then the step back. And it's like, if you don't allow the space to step back, burnout inevitably happens. And I'm 
all too acutely aware of that sensation. Like I totally know that sensation. It's me every Monday. I wake up one Monday. Oh my God, this week's going to be great. You're on track. You're doing great work, blah, blah, blah. And then the next Monday I wake up and I'm like, you suck. (laughs) Nothing's going for you. You're on track and you're doing great work. See, that's why you need someone else to remind you when you're like, I'm a piece of shit. I can't figure. It's like, you need people that remind you. We all need to feel resourced and supported. Like we, we can't do it all on our own. I feel like you are the ultimate person to have on at the beginning of a new year. Are there any things that maybe any tips or any things that you've implemented in your day that you feel could be most helpful for people right now? So I don't do resolutions. And then the whole coach thing is like make intentions. And yes, I absolutely agree in having an intentional life, but it has to be coupled with disciplined action. My resolution every year is like work out more. It's been that for three years in a row and that's not really going well for me. I can share something that I'm thinking about and then I can share a more like broad offering if that's feels supportive. So I have just been thinking about like once a month taking myself out on a date in Denver, which, you know, would be considered like from the artist way, like an artist date, but something where I'm feeding some part of my soul that I can't do when I'm doing it in partnership or I'm a very relational person. So if I'm making a new friend, it's not about what we're doing. It's who I'm with. So I really got to do it alone so I can just like take in the sites, et cetera. So I would say that's my own intention once a month. So notice my bar is very low so I can be successful at it. And if I were to make a generalized offering, I think first I would go to is like, take a moment and place attention on what you're doing well in your life. It's another thing that I don't love about resolutions is you focus on what you're not doing well. So take a moment and just focus on like, what are you doing well? Even if it's like you recycle your cardboard coffee cups. So take a moment and focus on what you're doing well. The world needs more energy of people drawing their attention on that, which already is. And then think about how you want to feel. So if it's more vibrant, think about something related to vibrancy. If it's more still, think about something that's related to stillness and then take whatever goal you create and hack it up into the tiniest habit you could ever imagine possible. Like, let's say you wanted to read more. It's easy to say, I want to read a book a month. I'm like, how about like one paragraph or one sentence every other day? You'll eventually read that book. So really break it down into a very bite-sized, very tangible piece. And then make sure that that goal is helping you to feel the way you want to feel. That's the most important part. It's how you feel. It's not if you accomplish the goal. I love that. I just got very, very daydreamy in the idea of setting a resolution and figuring out. I love the like positive aspect of it where it's like, okay, let's, let's first analyze the feeling and then break it down from there. I think that's amazing. It's like the word I would use for it is like reverse engineering. Yes. Right. It's like go to the end result. And it's not necessarily that your website is launched, go to the end result of the feeling and then work back from the feeling space. Right. Cause then that's going to bring you into what you can do right now. I love that. 
Allie, this was so much fun. I am so happy that I got to have you on the show. I'm so grateful to you and for all the help that you've given me and I know you're going to give me moving forward. I just really, really appreciate you and all of your advice and work. So thank you so much for sharing it with everyone today too. Thank you. The feelings are so mutual. So thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.